Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome to I Communicate. Uh, I'm Mark Altman, President and uh, Lead Trainer at Mindset Go. Great to be here, and I'm really, as former Patriots coach Pete Carroll used to say all the time, I'm pumped and jacked today because uh, my uh, favorite trainer, Joe Lyman, is here with me today. Joe, great to have you back. Well, thank you, Mark. It's it's actually, this is perfect. This is, I, I, I'm so excited about our topic today. I think there's, there's very little that's making people super happy and uh, just unbridled joy at the moment. So the idea that we're going to talk about how to be just a little more joyful makes me pretty damn joyful. Well, so I want to keep our audience in suspense for a minute here. So let me, I, you know, Joe and I talked about what we were going to talk or discuss today. And I want to give a quick brief story of how this kind of came to me and why it would be a good topic. It's kind of a weird derivation, but it'll make sense. We'll tie it together. So as I've discussed on the show in the past few months, I've been immersed in a move, which has just worn me out. And uh, about a month ago, uh, I was in my basement and I had this, I'm a sports memorabilia collector, and I had this Celtics beer light, like you would see in a bar, like a big neon light, that it was like the pride and joy of my collection. And it was leaning against my couch, and I was moving a box, and I moved the box onto the couch, and the, I, I put the box down too hard, and it pushed the, uh, the beer light over and smashed into a bunch of little pieces. Oh, my goodness. So I was absolutely heartbroken, Joe. I mean, I, like this is something I got as a gift, and it's virtually hard, impossible to replace. Anyway, point of the story is I was heartbroken. My son, my 14-year-old son was with me, and he's like, oh, sorry, Dad. I know you're pretty bummed out. I'm like, no, it's okay. And then he said to me, this was the signature moment, right? He said to me, I'm so glad I didn't do that because I know how angry you would have been with me. And I, and I thought at the time when he said that, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I would have been really upset. And then over the next couple of days, Joe, I was reflecting and I said, wow, that's pretty bad. Because if he thought that I would be angry with him after accidentally breaking a material possession, it just felt like, wow, that's really not a good place to be. And it feels like my priorities aren't necessarily in order if, if that's his take, because I wouldn't want my son to walk around being scared. I'd be angry at him, especially for something of that insignificant nature. And so I started to think about what are my priorities? And I started to think about expressions, Joe, that I'm really, I detest. Expressions like live life to its fullest, uh, <laughs> work-life balance. Like these expressions people carelessly throw around every day and on what their priorities should be and how happy they want to be and their gratitude levels. And so I thought to myself, man, I got to tell Cole that, buddy, if God forbid you had done that, no. I mean, right, my immediate reaction might have been disappointed and frustrated, but I don't want you to think I'd be angry because at the end of the day, that's not what life's all about is material possessions. Well, and you know, Mark, today is the first day of the rest of your life. That, that's <laughs> one that does it for me because I, I'd like to come back to that one in a little bit sure. because there's, there's something fundamentally wrong with that sentence, in my opinion. So, all right. So let's, Joe, let's get into this. So, so how, do we, 
how do we live life to its fullest? Whenever I think of phrases like that, often before the show, I'll, I'll Google live life to its fullest and I'll see what comes up as the definition. So Joe, this was the definition. And I love how it starts. It says, live life to its fullest is a cliche. Love that as the starting point. Often said to encourage people who are feeling down, a bit depressed, lonely, or self-pitying. And it means we should live life happily, that we shouldn't have any regrets, we should not have any bounds. But the thing that stuck out at me, Joe, which I want to start with today about that definition is, live life to its fullest is a reactive phrase. It is often used because you aren't living. It's not like things are going great and you're like, I want more or I want better. It's more like, God, you're not living life to its fullest. How come you're not taking advantage of life, what life has to offer? So, Joe, your thoughts on why it's a reactive phrase as opposed to a proactive step? Well, I I would throw this out. In 40 years in the business world, I have frequently heard people answer my question, how's it going, with the following phrase live in the dream. <laughs> now, I, I'm just going to put this out there. In in every single time, without exception, in my opinion, that someone has said to me, live in the dream, in response to my question, how's it going? I don't think I've ever heard anyone once use that expression who would consider themselves to be living the dream. So sarcastic. It, it, no, it, it's, it's the same thing with yours, right? No one's ever, it's like calm down. Yeah. The worst possible thing to tell somebody who's unhappy or who's upset oh, God. is calm down. Oh, God, right? yeah. Not only does it have no positive effect, but it makes things worse. So live life to the fullest as advice to someone who's clearly not living life to the fullest, I think is about as useful as telling someone who's incredibly upset, just calm down. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and so, you know, at Mindset Go, and Joe and I talk about this. Look, I have this frustration with trainers and coaches and speakers, that there's a lot of trainers and coaches and speakers out there that point out the obvious. You know, a lot of times when you're listening to someone, they'll tell you what's wrong and why you shouldn't be doing it. When a lot of people are sitting there like, yeah, I know that. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to do it differently. So, Joe, here are the three key questions that I think if you are actually saying it with sincerity and you do want to live life to its fullest and strike a work-life balance, these are the things that I think you have to answer. These are the key questions. Number one, what behaviors and habits do you need to commit to that will pave the way for you to live life to its fullest? Number two, we're not perfect. So even if you've identified those habits and behaviors, Can you recognize when you fall off the wagon and stop doing those habits and behaviors based on whatever is distracting you? And the third is, and this is the biggest one of all, Joe, if you do have the self-awareness to recognize you've been distracted, what do you do to get yourself going on the right track again? And, you know, before I get your thoughts on those questions, Joe, you know, the, the thing I've been seeing more and more over the last month and working with companies when we talk about commitment and goals and follow through is this busy thing. You know, people use it as an excuse. And I finally, I finally like, I almost raised my voice the other day. I didn't show, but I almost looked at this group of people I was training and I said, stop it. Stop it. Stop saying you're busy and that's why you can't get to something. You have to make a decision every day. These are the things that I see as the most important things I want to commit to with habits and behaviors. 
Don't tell me you can't coach your team because you're too busy. Don't tell me you can't do one-on-one <clears throat> developmental sessions to support the people that are working for you. If that is what your priority is, those things can't fall by the wayside. So, Joe, thoughts on those questions, and how do we take people through the answers to those questions? A, a couple of thoughts. The first thing that I want to say is 3%. 3% is the uh, the number of individuals in the United States. Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, just getting over a cold. Uh, number of uh, individuals in the U.S. who have written personal goals. Wow. Now, everybody has some form, for the most part, in the workplace of some written professional goal, right? Our annual review, our quarterly review, whatever it happens to be. First question is, is it useful, right? Because one thing I know, I have trouble remembering what I had for lunch two weeks ago, <laughs> much less keeping in mind what's on my written personal goals uh, through the course of the year if I'm having an annual review or a quarterly review. I don't know what happened, what we talked about three months ago. So it's got to be vital. And I, I've come to really love the word vital, necessary for the life of something. And, and, and I think what we're talking about here is um, a, a very human attribute, a, a series of three. What we, what we think today, we say tomorrow, and we do the day after that, right? We are think, say, do creatures. So if I'm thinking I'm so busy, I can't get anything done, tomorrow you're going to ask me what's going on, and I'm going to say I'm so busy, I can't get anything done. And the day after that, I'm going to be so busy that I can't get anything done. But the question is, what are you busy doing? Go ahead, finish. And so my, my, my first thought is, if we want to go someplace, we have to know where we want to go, right? Like a GPS is just a paperweight until you have an awareness of where you are and an understanding of where you want to go. And I think people are very much analogous to a GPS device. You have to self-assess, what am I doing now? What's working? What's not working? Where am I? And then establish for yourself where you want to go. And one of the things that I'm going to heartily recommend to people is that they write down what their goals are. Because now I have something concrete. I can get up every day and say, I wish I had more money. But then it's just going to remain a wish or a whim or a belief. And it's not going to take concrete form. But it's, it's like businesses, right? We want to do better next year. That's not a goal, right? That's just a, an, an amorphous desire. So what we can do as individuals is put a concrete essence into what's important to us. And we can know, we can think about and, and understand what matters to us and then begin to focus on that. So that's, that was a lot of great things to digest, Joe. And, and Ted, I just want to interject before we go to our first break. We're going to start having a new segment on the show when Joe's on board. And it's going to be the word of the show. And how good of a word is amorphous? I mean, come on, amorphous? We have to have a sound effect for that. That's, that's absolutely the word of the show. Okay, when we come back, we're going, to, we're going to build on what Joe just discussed. For Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. We will be back to I Communicate after the break. So, 
Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. We're talking about throwaway expressions like living life to its fullest and work-life balance. Uh, if you'd like to call in the show, please do. The number is 508-871-7000. And uh, so, look, building on what Ted said in the second segment, you know, I uh, parenting and leadership have so many commonalities. You know, we've talked about this in the past. And I want to give another anecdote about a situation because it, it leads right into uh, expanding on what Joe said. So I had this conversation with my youngest son last night, and um, he's not behaving the way he needs to in school. And so I can sit there and give him the same kind of boss speak or parent speak and say, you know, Cole, you really need to do a better job behaving and you really need to blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't work, so I don't do that. So we're having a conversation, and at the end of the conversation, I looked at him and I said, listen, I want you to understand the meaning of commitment. I want you to understand the meaning of habits and integrity and trust. So I want you to pick your goals you want to commit to. However, here's the qualifier. You don't care about me. You don't care about your mom. You don't care about teachers in school. Your goals that meaning that mean to you, what do you want to do so you can look in the mirror today and I can keep my commitments and I can do what I want to do. So he did. And so what got me thinking about that, Joe, is... I think it's really important when you're setting goals. And when I work with companies, I give them two kinds of goals. Personal goals, as Joe alluded to in the last segment. And by the way, very important thing about goals, not only they need to be written, they need to be printed out smack in front of you every day. So if they're at your desk or they're in your workplace, they've got to be visible. So as you're doing your habits and day-to-day routine, out of the corner of your eye, you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of what I should be doing. So there's some accountability. But the point is, the second kind of goal is the personal professional goals. And the personal professional goals are you are com- you're working at a company, and this is you saying, I know my boss has goals for me. I know my company has goals for me. But this is what my goals are to be successful in my role or position at this company. No, no influence by society, no influence by everybody else, just like I told my son last night. And this is important because when, Cole, when, when, when Joe talks about necessary and vital and useful, there's a tendency to take useful and meaning like think about how it would be useful to other people and how it would impact other people. So ultimately, what I want you to think about, and Joe, what I want to follow up on you, what your thoughts were is motivation, right? So when we talk about goals and habits, it's motivation. <clears throat> if we, if you and I both know that habits are critical, they're driving motivation. And how do we connect those two for people so when they're setting goals, they're mindful of how it will impact their motivation? Well, I'm, I'm super glad you mentioned the word motivation because I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately. And one of the things that I've realized is, you know, people are always talking about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. And what I've realized is that all extrinsic motivation, all, is coercion. Every piece of motivation, whether it's your salary or your position or your title, these are all some form of coercion. The only motivation that isn't coercive in its nature in some form is internal motivation. So what you're saying just 
ties in so completely with that, right? And and what you've asked, I, I, I want to make sure that our listeners realize this. What you've asked isn't simple. You you want me to think about what's important to me. And that's not something we've developed human beings to do that's in Western true. culture. That's true. And and the problem is this is this is not in a good way. Like we get people to focus on others. Yes, that's that's ultimately what we want to encourage people to do is to consider others in terms of how how our actions will affect them, how our words will have an impact on them. Yes, we want them to do that. But we sometimes forget, particularly in Western culture, that the only way to be able to help someone else, literally the only possibility, if, some, if you come to me with a need, the only way I can have something to offer to you is if I have surplus. So if I'm not taking care of myself, what can I possibly give to you in order to facilitate your finding yourself in a better place? And so much of our daily routine, as you mentioned, is centered on habits. But our habits are meeting this deadline, taking care of this responsibility, taking, you know, looking at all of that. And what are our habits about taking care of ourselves? And, and, and I want to be really clear. This isn't about narcissism. This isn't about selfishness. <laughs> this is about selflessness because the only way I can be useful to other people is if I have some fundamental base of me to work with and to bring to people. How can I how can I bring joy to anybody if I'm in a not joyful place? Well, Joe, it's so funny. I read a blog, I think, on Harvard Business Review last week, and so supporting what you're talking about. They talked about when our culture is all about long work hours and being productive and so on and so forth that when people typically rise to the top at high-level leadership positions, and then they see that the key to their success was working so much and driving themselves so hard, then they in turn expect that of the people that work for them, and it's a vicious cycle of not having the surplus, right? So I, I love what you're saying, and I, you know, like honestly, Listeners, take a step back for a second and think about what Joe said, okay? Think of the word, only way you can, think of the phrase, the only way you can help someone is if you have a surplus. What Joe is meaning is that if at the end of the day, you're exhausted, emotionally, physically, mentally, then you have other relationships in your life, your husband, your wife, your friends, your kids, whatever, you're not going to have anything for them because there is no surplus left over. So think about what it's like to come home from work and be exhausted. You don't want to talk a lot. You don't want to be around people. You just want to shut off. Shut off. And so understand that, that surplus is building in time. So this now we're getting to the crux of living life to its fullest and work-life balance. Building in time for things that are useful, for things that you think are necessary. Are the relationships with your family useful and necessary? <laughs> Presumably so, right? So One jo would hope so. <laughs> so Joe, and now, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And here's, here's what we have to help people figure out, Joe. Remember that old TV commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up with the life, I think the, what was The lifeline. 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 And so... There's a lot of people who will listen to this show and they're going to listen and they're going to go, you know what? They're right. Boy, Joe's making some good points and Mark's making some good points. 
But the stumbling block, Joe, we have to help people with is the feeling of helplessness, that they're stuck, that they know this is how they have to do things. They know they need to have the surplus. But this is why we're paid the big bucks, right? Because we've got to help people move past that feeling of helplessness and being stuck. So, Joe, in your mind, if our listeners are saying that right now, we've got to get past that. Tell them the first two things that if you really want to move past being helplessness and being being helpless and being stuck, is it as simple as just the goals or is it more expansive than that? It, it's more expansive than that. But the key word, I think, and the first step for sure is very simple. Stop. Just stop. If you keep doing what you're doing, you know, there, there aren't many things that I'm 100% certain of, right? There's not many things that I can say, yes, 100%. This is one of them. If you always do what you always did, you will always get what you always got. I'm 100% certain of this, right? Uh, Einstein made commentary about this, right? Insanity is repeating the same process and hoping the results will change. If you always do what you always did, you will always get what you always got. So the first thing we have to do is stop. And you used a word earlier in the show, speaking of the word of the show, for me, this was, this was my word of the show from you. And it's, you, you, you said you took some time to reflect. And I think reflection, particularly self-reflection, is probably the most underutilized tool mm -hmm. that any individual has in their toolbox. <laughs> oh, that, oh, Ted, that was brilliant. For Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. We will be back to I Communicate after the break. So. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate, and uh, happy to have you back. And I um, I just want to pick up where we left off. Um, you know, Ted was so eager to get an update on coronavirus prior to the uh, last segment <laughs> that, uh, he, you know, he just went right into it. So, Joe, we, were, we left off. You had said, stop. And then we were talking about the importance of self-reflection. So if you could kind of go back to that and recap it, on that. Absolutely. And, and I think it's critical that we recognize that at some point we have to discontinue what we've been doing that isn't getting us where we want to be. Right. This is, you know, um, some some time management gurus will tell you that we create two columns, column A and column B. Column A moves us towards our goals which presupposes that we understand what those are. Column B does not. And their advice is actually really simple. Stop doing things in column B. Not spend less time, not move towards column A. Stop doing things in column B. Stop doing things that aren't beneficial to you. Stop thinking thoughts that aren't getting you where you want to be. Start working towards your goals once you have established them. But that moment of reflection is almost... It's almost antithesis to Western man, right? It's the idea that, you know, people expect things of us, and our job is to fulfill those expectations. But in my opinion, this is a dramatic misunderstanding of the reality of the situation. Our job is to fulfill the expectations that we have for ourselves. 
And the easiest way to do that is to create habits that lead us in that direction. You know, you mentioned not just writing it down, but having it where you can see it. Well, I do a little informal survey when I'm doing time management courses, and I ask people if they've ever successfully held to a New Year's resolution, like for the whole year. And 90% of the people who tell me yes tell me they have um, one, one sort of process or another, but they all come down to three. Either they write it down once a day, every day, or they write it down and they look at it every day when they get to the office, or they just put it on the bathroom mirror so that the first thing they see every morning when they get up is what their goal is as part of that resolution. And it's that constant reinforcement. Right, human beings, creatures of habit, what replaces an old habit? Only a new habit. So how do we create them? We have to create the expectation, we have to create the reward, we have to create that pattern, and that's what allows us to do it. But without first self-reflection, without first self-understanding, we're just gonna keep saying, live in the dream and never actually meaning it. So Joe, but I, I agree. It's just that I try to put myself in the shoes of the person that needs to self-reflect. And again, there's a lot of people who probably, some know, some don't know the benefits of self-reflection. But if, I, if you were my client and I said to you, all right, you know what you need to do, Joe? You need to go home and you need to take a few hours to self-reflect. And I'll even give you some directions and okay. some things and some guidelines for it. That would seem for some people so daunting because if you're self-reflecting, you're racing through all kinds of feelings and thoughts and emotions as you're self-reflecting. And I don't, no one teaches you how to self-reflect. You and I know how to self-reflect. You and I know how to kind of walk people through how to do it. But if people are by themselves, because I said this so many times, most people, that's not fair, a lot of people um, for them to shift habits, need some kind of support or accountability partner or so people get a personal trainer or things like that. And for to self-reflect on your own, to not only know how to do it, but to value the importance of it, to budget the time in your schedule to do it. So I feel like we've got to start with um, getting people to recognize even the importance of self-reflection and discuss what they see as the return on the investment to spend a half hour, an hour, two hours. Hey, guess what? If you self-reflect, here's what you get for this. Because I don't think people can really piece that together, that if they budget that time, that there's a reward for budgeting that time. And, and I think you're spot on. And I think one thing to consider that may be useful to people is that it doesn't have to be like a three-day retreat. We're not talking about, you know, like a week-long meditation where you don't talk for, you know, 24 hours a day. We're talking about something as simple and as easy to begin with as five minutes a day. Not three hours, five minutes a day. They estimate that if you begin an awareness, a mindfulness routine where you just get up five minutes earlier. Now, I know telling people to get up an hour earlier to go to yoga or something, that's a, that's a huge deal, right? And, and that's a different story. But, but do you have five minutes? Do, do you have five minutes to think about your day? And I think you're right. Uh, for instance, when people first start to learn meditation, one thing that people will commonly respond is, I can't meditate. And you say, why? And they say, because my, my mind, it starts me, going Joe, a thousand miles, miles a minute, and it's a hundred different directions. But here's the deal. It's not that your mind starts doing that when you begin to look at it. It's that your mind does that 
all the time, every day, and now we've taken a moment to notice it. Mm. And that becomes the key. First, first notice what's going on, right? And the other thing is a, a Stephen Covey line, begin with the end in mind. Right? Create the destination. What do I want to do? Okay, I want to take, I want to change my life. Great. But what does that mean? I want to spend five minutes a day thinking about my day. That's it. Five minutes a day thinking about my day. That's a total of 35 minutes a week. You know, people talk about fundraising and how if you just give up one latte a week, you know, that will that will amount to a significant amount of money. Yes, that's true. And if we just give up five minutes a day a half hour a week, basically, that will amount to a significant investment in terms of being aware of ourselves. And the other thing is, we have this tendency when we come up with these cute little sayings to get them backwards. An example is, um, respect has to be earned. Imagine if I walk up to you and I say, Mark, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Joseph Lyman, and I'd like you to know you should start earning my respect as soon as possible. (laughs) Because, you know, I want to respect you, but you're going to have to work for it. That's just ridiculous. We offer respect. And the other thing is the idea of live each day as if, you know, start the day as if it were the first day of the rest of your life. I'm going to say, I'm going to call nonsense on that. What if you started to think about each day as if you didn't know how many days you had? What would you want to get done? What would be important to you if you didn't know how much time you had? What would be significant to you? Would family matter to you? We're approaching the holidays and the idea of spending time with your family. But if you try to budget your family time and your holidays as if you were a time management expert, you're going to come up with a lot of structure, but not a lot of results, right? Oh, I can spend seven and a half minutes with each child uh, that I uh, in, a, in our extended family. No, be open to the idea of just taking some time to be where you are, right? I saw this once at a, at a meditation course. It was a giant sign. It just had three words. It just said, be here now. That was it. That was the whole premise of, of a course, be here now. And we forget that sometimes. Yeah, and so Joe, I think what we're talking about here is a concept that is a very foreign concept for people, and I, and I call it incremental improvement. And so to me, the biggest kryptonite or obstacle to incremental improvement is uh, impatience and unreasonable or irrational expectations. So you just gave a perfect example of talking about meditation and instead of it doesn't have to go to a retreat, it doesn't have to be waking up an hour earlier, it could just be five minutes a day. And so the problem is, is that when you look at growth, when you look at personal growth or professional growth, you have to decide, you can know the final destination, but if you look at getting to the final destination as daunting, as, oh my God, like, yeah, I want to get to there. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, retire in Vermont in a, in a, in a, to be, so I can ski every day for the rest of my life. If you're actually taking the time to figure out all the steps that it's going to take to get to that, that's not going to feel good. Even though it would be the right thing to do, it's not going to feel good because it's going to look like a long list. It's going to seem daunting. But incremental improvement is you got to start somewhere. And if you just throw your hands up in the air and say you're helpless and it's a fixed mindset and I'm stuck and... Well, you know what? The reason why I work this hard is because I got to support my family. Well, that's a cop out because if you're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week 
and you want work-life balance or you want to live life to its fullest and you say, well, how else am I going to support my family? No one's telling you to quit your job. What we're saying to you is if you work two less hours, would you get fired? Could, would you not do your job effectively? Like, do you really have to work that many hours? And if you replaced one hour, if you said, hey, I'm typically working 60 hours a week, and I say, okay, from now on, I want you to work 59. I want you to redirect one hour of your 60. Well, what would you do with that hour? Like Joe said, you know, what would you do? How would you use that incremental improvement? And as we go to break, I want you to think about that, listeners, because you can't get from <clears throat> here to there in a minute. Everything you've done at this point in your life has been habits and behaviors that have led you to this point. You can't change those in a day. So that's why the, the mindset of incremental improvement in growth is critical to get to that destination, like Kobe said. All right, go ahead. We're going to jump to break. Real quick thought, Joe, and, before we go to break. And I think you're exactly right. And the problem is Western culture isn't helpful here, right? Because I'm sick. What do I need? I need a pill. I've got a problem. What do I need? I need the, the, the figurative version of a pill to correct something. I need instant solutions. And the reality is that professional development without personal change isn't possible, as Annie McKee said. It's just not possible. And it doesn't happen all at once. It must, in the end, become incremental. Now, sometimes those will appear in leaps and bounds, but it's like when we talk about actors who overnight became a sensation. Yes, it's, it's true. Overnight they did. All they had to do was work in little playhouses and theaters that you've never heard of for 25 years, and overnight they became a sen yeah, sensation. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Uh, for Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back for our final segment of I Communicate. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. And Ted and I were just talking in the break. And, uh, you know, one thing that's changed with COVID in, in this year is back in the summertime, it was the temporary normal. And now it's more transitional the last several months to the new normal. But Joe made an interesting point, and I want you to just that last comment you made right as we were heading to break, I want you to talk about the, the new normal. Well, the reality is there is no new normal because there's no normal. I mean, people think we're going to go back to something. We're going to go back to whatever it was we had before. Or we're going to return to some different situation. But there's a, there's a philosophical observation, which turns out to be a literal truth. You can't step into the same river twice. Right? Even if we return to similar situations than that we experienced in the past, we're not going back anywhere. No one ever does. Right? We are constantly in this forward direction. And the question is, will we notice it and will we move forward with it or will we keep hanging back trying to hang on to it? There's, there's a wonderful Buddhist story that talks about an old monk and a young monk walking along the side of a river. And they came across a young woman in a beautiful dress that was trying to cross, but the bridge had been washed out. 
And so the old monk said, may we help you cross? And she said, yes, please. And so he carried her across. And when they got to the other side of the river, the young monk admonished him. And he was like, but don't you understand? You've, you've broken your vows. You know, you're not supposed to come in contact with women. You're not supposed to. And for like the next mile and a half as they're walking down the side of the, the river, he just, he, he just couldn't let it go. And finally, the, the old monk turned and looked at him and he said, isn't it interesting? He said, I dropped the young woman off on the other side of the river, but you are still carrying her. And we have to be willing to, to acknowledge the fact that the future comes whether we're prepared for it or not. So taking a look at our current situation, that moment of reflection, and noticing that things are changing. But they're always changing. Even when we think things are stagnant, it's just because we don't see the change. Well, and I want you to listen to how Joe said, because I'm going to actually take his advice and reframe it. So he said, we have to be willing to acknowledge it. Well, you don't have to do anything. I think what it comes down to is this. 2020, if I see one more post on Facebook about I can't wait till 2020 is over, I'm, I'm, I'm just so sick of it. Look, 2020 has given us an amazingly unique opportunity to self-reflect. Why? Because we've had to slow down. We have not been able to continue on the exact path before COVID when we were on autopilot and we were just going straight ahead. So 2020 was about self-reflection. It is about self-reflection. Teachers are self-reflecting right now. Do I still want to teach? If it's going to be virtual, this might not be for me. And if not, you have an opportunity as a teacher to make a choice if you don't think it's the right fit. Business owners who have been trying to grow their small business and all of a sudden COVID hit and maybe your business has to go. And maybe it could be a blessing in disguise because maybe you didn't love what you were doing anyway. At the end of the day, we're talking on this show about living life to its fullest and self-reflection. And so you don't have to acknowledge anything. You can hang on to the past. You can hope the past is going to come back. Knock yourself out. But what it ultimately comes down to is you could also change your mindset and say, you know what? I've had an opportunity to slow down. I've had an opportunity to reflect on what I want my final destination to be, what I want my path to be, what I'm passionate about, where I feel like I can contribute in this lifetime. And you're not meant to just work and pay the bills. That's not why you were placed here, to work and pay the bills. So if that's the only thing and you're on autopilot and you're going to run an errands for your family on the weekend, you're working, you're paying bills, you're doing those familial things and filling out gender stereotypes and that's what you're doing, you're not doing it. The Germans have a wonderful expression that translates to um, work, 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 buy a house, pay taxes, die. Yeah, and, and I think so what it comes down to is what does this all mean? If you take the time to self-reflect, you might get really uncomfortable because you know one of the things you might learn from the self-reflection, and I'm speaking from personal experience because this is exactly one of the things I've learned, is the hell have I been doing with my life the past few years? And that might suck. And I'll give you a very simple analogy to make my point. Every single time during this move, when I've thrown something out or given it away, I look at the item and I say, why the heck did I buy that in the first place? It's made me feel miserable because it reinforces bad buying decisions and bad judgment. So I sit there and I'm like, why did I do that? And I feel bad about my decision making. But you know what? 
I can do that or I can look at that and it's totally changed my buying habits. So now, because of all these things that I've realized during self-reflection, when I go buy something, I, I have a three, like I have a question process I take. Am I really going to use this? Do I really need this? And now I do that. If I hadn't gone through that horrible self-reflection of making, being aware of all the mistakes, I wouldn't have done it. And so, you know what? Self-reflection, it's going to reveal some real, it's going to piss you off. It might make you sad. You're going to come to conclusions that you might not be all that happy about. But guess what? At the end of the day, you can't grow. You can't get to the destination that Joe spoke of earlier in the show. You don't take that time. Well, and I think that's spot on. We have to we have to accept the risk, and it really is a risk. You're absolutely correct. The risk that we may not like what we see when we stop to look at the face in the mirror. And it's only through that self-reflection. Because what are we chasing in the end, right? We're chasing happiness, right? But the car doesn't get happy. The house doesn't get happy. The, the job doesn't get happy. Only the mind gets happy. Only your mind can bring you happiness, right? You see people that live in the, the worst possible conditions who yet somehow seem to enjoy their life, right? And you see people who live in these amazing, beautiful, spectacular, uh, unbelievable conditions who are miserable. So in, in the end, and, and what do we say? We always say we're chasing happiness. But a, a, very, a very smart teacher of mine once said, we spend so much of our energy chasing happiness. If we would just stop chasing it, we might discover that it would catch us. Well, and I, my final thought for the show today, building on what Joe just said, is this. Big fan of mindset. You guys hear me talk about it all the time, and I want you to reframe your mindset this. How many times have you either said to yourself in your life or has someone said to you when they give advice, you don't want to ask what if, you don't want to have regrets. Like, come on, that's, we're told that all the time. We either tell it to ourselves or we're told it to by our friends and family. But you know what? If you want to change where you're at and live life to its fullest and, and achieve your goals and change the path and direction of your life, then stop seeing it as advice and start, start asking the question to yourself and answer it. Not just what if. Well, what if? What if you don't change? What would you actually miss out on and identify what those things you would miss out on as opposed to just generically ask the question and never answer it. So uh, this is it for I Communicate. Joe, thank you so much for joining us for the show today. Mark, always a great pleasure, and we wish all our listeners amazing holidays. Ted, thank you so much, as always, for your great work as a producer. I'm Mark Altman. If you'd like to contact Mindset Go, it's 978-793-1159 or email at info at mindsetgo.com. We'll see you next time. been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.